You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 41. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my friends. Welcome back. I am Jesse Mogul. You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery, and I am in addiction recovery. Spectacular episode. I'm so excited about this one because I love it when what I want to talk about in the episode coincides so fluidly with my life. So if you've been listening to these linearly, then you know that I'm going over my life's blueprint. And a quick summary of that is that I believe that all of life can be organized into three spheres, career, self, and relationships. And within each one of those spheres are four components, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been going over um, each one of these. So if you take three spheres, career, self, relationship, and you take the four components, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, that's 12 quadrants. And within this, I, I picture it as a gigantic house. It's a big mansion of your life, and there's 12 rooms. And I organize my life this way so that if I'm starting to feel lackluster or down on my addiction recovery, I can easily figure out which area of my life I need to start paying more attention to, uh, where I need to put more energy toward, what I can be working on. So rather than just being like, oh, man, my job is such a drag, I can say, well, is it physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually dragging on me? And same with relationships and myself. If I'm not feeling like I'm working on myself enough, I can say, well, is it physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually that I need to put more energy toward? And then because I've broken it down into this one room, I can immediately put attention towards that. And if you've listened to my episodes, you realize that anytime you're working on one quadrant, you're generally working on four, five, six, seven, maybe all 12 at once. And so today we're going to be talking about relationships and physical. And of course, there's a mental and emotional and a spiritual aspect to this, but Physically, what are you doing in your relationships to bond with those that you care the most about? And the reason why this is such a fluid thing for me to talk about this week is because I just got back from an amazing trip with one of my best friends of all time to Charleston, South Carolina for a three-day run of fish shows. And whether you're familiar with the band Fish or not, hippie band, you know, jam band, people there, you know, Grateful Dead kind of scene. And uh, so I'm not sure what your history with them is. If you want, feel free to, to Google them if you'd like. If you if you know of them, then you know it's a very hardcore party scene. And I was able to go out there with my best bud and really just enjoy the hell out of this three days of shows. And they were Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. And, you know, of course, sober as I always am. And it just, it was an amazing, amazing experience. And I actually... I already shot this episode once, but I used a lot of my friends' names, and I didn't necessarily ask them if I could do that. So as I was walking to get my car from the mechanic today, it was a day when it needed to oil change and a new battery. Um, in the process of doing that walking, I started thinking about the names I was using, and maybe that wasn't such a cool thing um, without asking them. And then I realized that even if they said yes, you know, just you never know. Down the line, somebody finds this episode, and that person wants to become president, and all of a sudden, they've I've implicated them in something ridiculous, right? So we're protecting names. Um, everyone's innocent that I'm talking about, or <laughs> as innocent as my friends and I can be. Um, Amazing experience. I digress. So I'm reshooting the episode. 
And this will give me a chance to be a little bit more succinct with my thoughts. The last one went 50 minutes, and I think that was a little too much. Um, and why I love this show is it really was meant as an audio diary of my journey from sobriety to addiction recovery. And if you have been listening to me for the whole year that this show has been going on, you realize that my thoughts about sobriety and recovery are that sobriety is, you know, white knuckling it, counting the days and addiction recovery is actually working on uh, overcoming your suffering, figuring out the reasons why addiction became the path and, and really working on yourself, right? And this, if you're in AA, if you're in refuge, if you're smart, then you've been doing this. And so you're working on your addiction recovery, right? And even people who are in those may not necessarily be working on addiction recovery. They might still be in sobriety because they're still white knuckling it. You know, they're still not going through the steps it takes to to just become more stable. And I don't know your story. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're doing. So I'm not saying that's you. It's everybody has their own story to tell. Everyone has their own thoughts on what addiction recovery is. This is just my opinion, my opinion. Um, that to be in addiction recovery means that you're you're working on your uh, you know your perceived shortcomings, whatever it is you think you should be working on, you're doing that, and this is why I put my entire life into this life's blueprint of three spheres and four components being in twelve quadrants, because then I can put my energy toward exactly what I want to be putting it toward. And this last weekend, I decided to put it toward my relationships with my best friend and being able to go out and physically going to these concerts in South Carolina. I live in Los Angeles. I flew across the country to go do these shows. And there's a lot of reasons why I wanted to do this. Um, This year has been very difficult for me as far as working through um, my emotional suffering you know, the traumas that happened to me as a child, uh, working into my tween age, then teenage, then in my 20s, when addiction really, really took over my life, and all the way until, you know, now here I am, I'm almost three years in, and I'm 43. And working through the emotional baggage, to me, is one of the more difficult components of the addiction recovery process, because physical, you know, working through that... And, is, you know, you can eat healthier, you can go to the gym, you can really start to put your attention towards that. And you see the benefits of it because you eat healthier and your your skin starts to look better, your hair is shinier, you start to lose some weight, the the, the acne and the oily skin go away. You're, you're, you start to see the physical changes in your body when you go to the gym or when you eat healthier. And then, you know, mental, which is what my second year was really focused on, um, you start to notice that the fog's lifting and that, you know, you're starting to remember things better and you really become, you know, really into uh, taking on new hobbies and learning new things. But emotions, which has been my year three focus, um, much more much more difficult in the fact that you, emotions, you know, thoughts, they, they, they come in by the thousands every day and with them come feelings, with them come emotions. And so you get these a thousand different emotional feeling kind of spikes throughout your day. And of course, then you have to deal with the the voices in your head, which, you know, are your parents and everybody else that's influenced you over your entire life telling you whether you're doing it right or wrong. And then of course, which one of those is you or any of them you is the seat of consciousness even able to to get through all of this, all of this white noise and, and this clutter inside your head. So as I'm dealing with all these emotional ups and downs of, of this year and of just sobriety and recovery in general, um, this year I've really become more aware of the fact that I've lost connection to a lot of my best friends. 
and uh, I lived in LA. Many of them live in Florida, Indiana, you know, uh, Nevada, Arizona, uh, Washington State, places like that. They're, I mean, we're all scattered all over the place for the most part. Indiana, if I haven't already said that, I got a ton of people there, a ton of people in Florida. And so when this opportunity to go to South Carolina and visit my bud um, showed itself, and I hadn't, you know, gone to a fish show since last fall at the forum. And I love fish and I'm a huge fan. I'm not like a fishopedia, you know, like some of my friends are. They can hear two notes and they know the song and they know when they last heard it. And they, they you know, they literally are like a, just a library of knowledge about the band. I generally really enjoy them. They're definitely one of my top three bands that I'll travel to go see and, and I'll listen to them anytime. And when, when my friend, oh, let's see, let's come up with some initials for him. Uh, well, let's, let's pick a ra- random letters. Um, See what's his? We'll call him. We'll call him Huger because he loves the Indiana Huger basketball team. So when so when Huger called me, you know, said in this text thread, "Hey, I'm going to South Carolina. Anybody want to run to these shows with me?" Um, I jumped on the chance because I thought it was a great opportunity for me and Huger to have some one-on-one time together and just have a chance to bond in our forties. Uh, last time we saw each other was at the Dead and Co. Uh, Summer Seventeen shows in, at the at the Wrigley Field, and there was a ton of my crew there, so it was great getting to see everyone. But no one really got one on one time. Me and uh, me and Fathead probably got more one on one time with each other because he and his wife happened to always be around in the morning whenever I was looking to hang out with people, and so I got a, a chance to to hang out with him a lot more than anyone else. But anyways, I'm digressing. Let me get back to the point. In year three, I put a lot of weight on rekindling my best friendships from my past and, you know, not letting those just fade away. And so when this opportunity to go across the country and and see these shows with Hoosier showed themselves, I couldn't pass up on this opportunity. Um, They were absolutely marvelous. I heard my favorite song, the Divided Sky um, song, Six, Night One, Set One. And the reason I'm really excited about sharing this with you. And and look, my last episode went 50 minutes. I had all this extraneous stuff that I was just rambling through. Is that I want you to start thinking about what it is you're doing within your relationships on the physical side as far as actually going out and doing things with the people you want to bond with the most. What are you doing with them? Now, I could have done this on, you know, your partner, your love partner, male, female, whatever you're into. You know, I could have done that because, you know, I'm in a pretty cool relationship and I could easily talk about that. But because I just got back from Fish with Huger, it was important. I want to talk about your friends. I want to talk about what it is you're doing with them. I have a friend from work. We'll call her Angel. And um, she's got a niece that her and her sister have this sort of friendly battle with to see who the niece loves the most, right? It is whatever it is. And um, Angel's sister will buy the niece gifts, lots of gifts, and give her gifts. Whereas Angel actually takes the niece and does things, goes to the zoo, goes get Manny Petties. They're in, you know, to going out and doing some really cool girly stuff. And this, this little niece is like two, three, four, five, like super young guys. The point is, is that the niece talks about these events that Angel has taken her to, but doesn't really talk about the gifts because it's the events that you go do with kids that they will remember. And we forget that, and somehow we get older, and we think a quick little text or a quick little phone call is somehow going to make up for that one-on-one FaceTime. And 
thank God, you know, communications almost, you know, has gotten us to the Back to the Future Part 2 movie, um, because now you can talk to people via these devices, and you can see them in their face. And so you get FaceTime, but nothing is better than one-on-one, actually in-person FaceTime. This is why no matter how good technology gets, you're, if you have a job, at some point they're going to want you to fly and then go visit the clients because one-on-one FaceTime shows these people that you think that they're important enough that you've taken the time to get on an airplane and fly to see them because it's exhausting to do that. No matter how much you like flying, unless you're like super uber rich and you have your own private jet, you just roll your freaking Bentley up to, jump on it, and you're gone. You know, packing for the airport, going to the airport, security, waiting, getting on the airplane, crappy seat stuffy air, the whole deal. It's an effort. So what Angel's doing is Angel's making these amazing memories with her niece while the other one's trying to buy the love. And it does, it's not going to work that way. You can send all the gifts you want, but it's that one-on-one FaceTime that really makes it matter. So what are you doing in your relationships to make the opportunity for this one-on-one FaceTime? Because that's where the memories are made. You know, I could have watched this concert streaming on my computer and then told Huger, oh, I remember this, remember that, this song, that song. But instead, I stood next to him for all three shows, got to lean over, ask him songs, ask him questions about the songs, point out people in the audience, like really immerse ourselves in this. Right. There was some football games going on Saturday, uh, conference championships. We were able to watch the scores on that. Uh, one of, I think it's his brother-in-law, is a coach for a college soccer team that was in that was doing really good and uh, playing. Uh, I know, I know all the details. I'm just trying not to share too much, just to keep them just whatever anonymity that people would desire whenever I'm talking on, in such a public forum, I'm looking to say that I remember every single thing about this soccer game that he was paying attention to on his phone. And I was really pulling for the team that he was pulling for, because that was really cool to watch this whole thing play out. Um, I say all this because we were very immersed in this experience together. Uh, we walked around with his brother and his brother's girlfriend uh, and looked at really cool stuff in Charleston. We came across a really awesome cemetery. We came across a, a really awesome George Washington statue with a Washington monument in the park. Like, this is old school Southern city history stuff that you're not going to see on the West coast, right? You, you got to go to one of the 13 colonies to really be able to see this. And just the fact that a bunch of fish heads took over this, uh, this, you know, very historical city, Charleston and Savannah have been two cities I've been dying to visit for quite some time. So for this to be my first taste of Charleston and for it to be his first taste of Charleston, and he loves oysters. He's a, he's a, he, he really digs on food. Um, I dig on food. So we got to eat some amazing meals together. We got to just, just really immerse ourselves. And we were able to take a friendship that was already great and expand upon it. And this is what I wanted from this year. This has really fueled me to want to call up some people, to want to go do some more trips, to go see some people, you know, fly to Florida and land in Orlando and and go see some people in O-Town, Jacksonville, Tampa, St. Pete, Southern Florida. Like There's a lot of people I miss, and I'd love to have some FaceTime with them, even if it's just a day or two, and just to go, you know, chill at a beach or something. And so what are you doing? to instigate the development of your best friendships. Are you going to places and creating memories? 
Are you just calling people up, sending them gifts, and you know, doing the easy stuff? Now, I get we all have a financial issue. We've all got work issues. I mean, right? I, I you know, I, I don't know your situation, so I'm not telling you that if you're not flying across the country to see fish shows with your best bud, that you're a loser and you're not trying to be a friend. That that's not what I'm saying. You need to figure out what it is that you can do, what you can really pull off. And where the other person can be a part of that and then make that experience happen. If one of you lives in Illinois and the other one of you lives in Kentucky, find a place halfway. You know, figure it out. Whatever it looks like to you, just ask yourself, what are you doing to build and maintain and increase the bonds of these friendships that you've made? And I've got some things here in my show notes that I want to help I want you, I'm going to list out in the show notes and I'm also going to talk about here to help you start to trigger some ideas. So I've just got in my show notes, I've just got the word friends and then I've got four bullet points and then four sub bullet points. Now, if you want more about this subject, episode 22 that I released back in June of 2019, uh, I talk about going out and partying and going to concerts there too. There's some great show notes available for that. Um, some really great stuff that I discuss in it. So if you want an extenu- extenuation, a continuation of this topic, jump over to episode 22 and listen to that from the archive. It, uh, it's got more similar kind of discussions. So this, friends, number one, whom do you have in your corner? When I first decided to get sober, I didn't go and tell any of my best friends because I had this story I I built in my head that they wouldn't want to invite me to places anymore because instead of being crazy drunk Jesse, I was now going to be sober Jesse. And was I going to be a buzzkill? Was I not going to want to stay out all night? Was I not going to want to party like I used to? It was all this stuff, all these questions. So I didn't call anyone and tell them what I was doing. Um, They all found out, like the world found out when I announced it on my birthday, June 15th, 2019, or 2017, I'm sorry, on Facebook. And I had this story in my head that they wouldn't want to go anywhere with me. They wouldn't want to invite me to things. And, you know, then ironically enough, uh, the Dead Dead & Co. played Wrigley that summer. I think it was in July or August. And I went out and I saw those with them. And they all knew I was sober. They were really happy to receive me on this trip. Um, they were super pumped, in fact. You know, they told me right off the get-go, you know, if uh, you get uncomfortable in any of the bars we're at or any of the scene that's going on, just let us know. You know, if we need to, you know, walk out with you, you know, if we need to help you in some way, let us know. I conversely also told them, look, I want you to have as much fun as you want to have the way you want to have fun. And don't worry about me. I've come to be a part of this and not not to be a thorn in everyone's side because you want to go to a bar and I, I can't go into bars, right? Because I had all these people, every single time we walked into a bar, no matter what, they were all buying rounds for each other, always came back with multiple soda waters, no ice, no straw, no fruit. I call it clear beer. Because when I go to social occasions, there's something about the bubbles that beer gave on the back of my throat. And I also liked single liquor wells like vodka soda. So now I just do soda water, no ice, no straw, no fruit. And it's just a cup of soda water. And so they'd always come back with multiples of these for me. And anytime they were going to the bar, Jesse, you need some more soda water? Yeah. I must have drank like 10 of these things because everyone's drinking something and I wanted to be social. Having a cup in the hand, it just goes hand in hand, right? Um, but I didn't feel compelled to, to drink. I mean, there was times where I watched everybody else do it and I was like, man, this, you know, I'm missing out. But I also knew I wasn't missing out, right? Right, like I realized that if I if I played it out through the credits, if I drank at that bar, I'd keep drinking that night. I'd wake up the next morning, I'd keep drinking, and before you know it, Crazy Jesse would be back, and all hell would break loose. And I was close to dying when I finally quit. I don't want to die again. So, 
Who do you have in your corner? Have you talked to them about your sobriety and recovery? Have you said that I want to go do things and I want you to be a part of that? I'm just going to be sober, right? Like, how are you connecting with these people when you go to these things? You know, I made a point of, you know, talking about Hoosier's life, finding, you know, asking him questions about what was going on and, you know, his marriage and his work and his life and his fun and his friends that he's made there in his town in Florida. I wanted to connect with him. And likewise, he was able to ask me things and I was present the whole time. So number two is how are you connecting with your friends? Are you going and doing things? Are you are you talking about some really cool, deep, vulnerable type shit? Are you asking these people questions about their lives? You know, Husher's been married for like 15 years, so it was really awesome being able to ask him about relationships and love and, and being married and what that was like and, and what it was like having having a job for, you know, he's been he's been doing his job now for well over 20, 25 years. He's been doing that for a long time. Um, and so it was cool to ask him about that kind of stuff and really connect by asking cool questions about his life. Number three, what ways do you bond? You know, do you go to concerts like I did with Hoosier? Do you go to the zoo, to the aquariums? Are you getting in the car and going on road trips? I love road trips because you bond with everyone in the car. If you're doing this with your loved one, your, your partner, then you're bonding with them. You're having cool conversations. You're taking turns listening to your favorite songs. And maybe you're discussing why they're, they're your favorite songs or your favorite band. What ways are you bonding with them? Because if you're just sitting at home all the time, watching stupid television, doing nothing, man, that is not the way to bond. You, you want to get out and go do some stuff. Create experiences that you guys can talk about down the line. And then number four, how are you maintaining activity with them? You know, how are you maintaining this activity? Are you planning these trips? Are you putting things on the calendar? Are you discussing what that person wants to do? And even if it's not your most favorite thing in the world because they want to do it and they want to do it with you, are you making the time? Are you prioritizing that? Some of the sub points to this, to how are you maintaining activity are, um, how is this a part of your sobriety? Why is this important to you? Why are you giving them your time and prioritization? And what if things go well or what if things go sideways? You know, how is this activity becoming a part of your sobriety? Go, this is something cool. So at fish shows, and they do this at all hippie shows apparently, Dead and J-Rad and, and, and Widespread Panic and Leftover Salmon, they have like a sober group. And the fish call themselves the Fish Fellowship. And fish is spelled with P-H. And so therefore, fellowship is spelled with PH. And night three, we had to sit behind the stage because we got into the venue late, and uh, which was just a, as an amazing experience as in front of the stage because the lights off the audience were great. And there's no backdrop in front of the band, so you're literally watching the drummer and the keyboardist. And if, for those of you who don't know their names, it's Paige and Fishman, but, but that's beyond the point. You're watching them from behind, and you're really getting a really cool um, opportunity to... Um, to experience the music in a whole new way and see the audience light up when the lights hit them. Well, behind the stage in the concourse, the Fish Fellowship, this sober group of Fish fans, um, had a table set up. And I had an opportunity to talk to one of the guys named Phil. I'm going to have him on the show later on uh, next year, February or March. And he talked about systematic desensitization, where when you go to Fish shows your whole life using, and then you stop using, you... If you still want to go to fish shows, you have to start going to them to, to systematically desensitize yourself from thinking that when you go, you have to use. And one of the other guys at the table asked me if I wasn't so stable in my sobriety, would I have come to the show? And I told him that I went to some dead shows seven months in, but because I had such a strong 
friendship base there that was you know would would help me would surround me gave me gave me support was there for me you know if i needed it were was just you know really really supportive just a lot of congratulations wow this is awesome you're able to stay sober while everyone around you is partying it was just it felt so good at constantly getting patted on the back and i needed it at the time because i was so fresh into sobriety here coming up on year 3 um i didn't need that as much but i saw other people who were looking to cut back on their drinking who were also so and so I was supporting them. And so when this guy at the Fish Fellowship table asked me that, I was like, you know, everyone's going to be different. For me, I could go, but I also needed to go with friends. I couldn't imagine doing it alone. I was like, now here I am, you know, five or six dead shows, seven or eight fish shows, maybe just six or seven fish shows. And plus, I, I think I've gone to like another hundred or so concerts since I got sober in the last three years. And because I've gone to enough shows sober, I now realize I can have a blast sober. And so it doesn't bother me to go. But I needed to start going in order to desensitize myself from the scene, from the environment that had told me that in order to have a blast, I needed to be like everyone else and have two tall boys and a cigarette and a joint in my hands, right? And so how are you making these activities go to part of your sobriety? Are you telling them like, look, I want to go and I want to be sober and I want to enjoy this and therefore we, we, let's go. I need somebody to go with me to just be a support system, to be somebody to entertain. You know, we entertain each other, we talk to each other and if I start feeling uncomfortable with the drinking and the drugs all around me, we can also leave that experience and we can go be somewhere else. Right? We don't have to leave the concert venue but maybe we just decide to move seats or go out to the concourse and have a breather, right? You, you do something, you've got someone there. As that's how your relationships and physically going to places with people can be a part of your sobriety. They can help you systematically desensitize yourself from this societal brainwashing that we've all undergone that in order to go to these events and have a blast, we have to be intoxicated because it's just not true. You do not have to go to concerts and to sporting events and to events in general and be intoxicated. You can go to your best friend's niece's birthday party and not have to be like all the other adults standing around with alcohol in one hand and hiding around the corner smoking joints in the other, right? You don't have to do that. You can figure out a way. How you're going to figure that out is going to be different than anyone else is going to figure that out. But it can be figured out if you want it to be. If you want to continue to go to concerts and, and enjoy the, your bands that you've loved your whole life, you can figure out a way to do it sober. The number one way is to go and then be sober. It literally is that easy. Just go and be sober. If you need to go with people at first to be a support system, then do that. If the people you would normally go with are heavy drinkers, then you could just go by yourself. Well, if you can go by yourself and not use, then do it. Systematically desensitize yourself. My buddy Huger barely drank a drop the entire time, so I always had him hanging out. Now, there was another room in the hotel that we were all staying out, um, that we were all staying at, that had a lot of party supplies in it. He he didn't partake in those, but he would go up and hang out in that room. I did not. There, there is a limit to what I want to be around in a confined space. I'm at a concert venue. I see people 
taking drugs. I see people drinking excessively. That's fine. Whatever. I'm at the venue. I'm watching the band or it's set break and I'm waiting for them to come back on. And that's not a big deal. I'm in the aura of the event. Hanging out in a hotel room while a bunch of people are using not my cup of tea. I'd rather just lay on my bed back in my hotel room and watch some football. Let me know when we're all going down to the venue. That's okay. No, I'm not judging. Do whatever the fuck you want to do. Whatever you want to do. You, your life is your life. Party, party. This is what I'm saying to my friends. Like, Do whatever. Your life is your life. I did not get sober to go around and tell everybody that they were wrong for not being sober like I was. That's, that's, no one's going to listen to that person, let alone want them around. If you, don't, if you think you might be that person, stop. I get that you want, you want to encourage everybody to, to be sober because you've realized how amazing it is. But I remember there being people in college who would ask for a cigarette and break it in front of me. And they're like, I'm helping you. I'm helping you with your cigarette addiction by, by, not let, by breaking the cigarettes so now you don't have them to smoke. I'm like, that's not helping. What you're doing, I'm going to still smoke. Now you're just costing me money. I'm going to have to leave the bar earlier to go buy cigarettes so that I can smoke more while I drink more. You're not helping. If you get up on your pulpit and tell everybody that they shouldn't be doing what they're doing and they should follow your lead because your way is better than their way, people aren't going to listen to that. You have to meet them where they're at. You have to be comfortable with them being who they are. If, if you can't be comfortable with them being who they are, then, you, then you're going to have to make the choice to stop being around them. Because if you can t- continuously beat them over the head with your sobriety, at some point, they're, they're, they're not going to want it. I'm sorry, it's not that they're not going to want sobriety. They're not going to want to be around you because they're going to be like, oh, great. Here comes Mr. Pompous-ass Jesse wanting to tell everybody how much better their lives would be if they also got sober. That might have been part of the story I was telling in my head back whenever I didn't want to tell everyone I was getting sober and I was afraid they wouldn't invite me around because I'd seen other people get sober and then beat everybody else over the head with it. And then all of a sudden, I would, I would not want to hang out with them anymore. I would hear other people say, I don't want to invite them around. They're sober. You know, they're a stick in the mud. They aren't as much fun. All they want to do is talk about sober, 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 sober. And I was like, oh, snap. I, you know, I, so without remembering how much of those people beat me over the head with their sobriety, I just got it in my head that sober people were no longer getting invited to parties. And I didn't want to be that person. So better to just not tell anyone and then maybe they'll still invite me and then I could just be like, no, I'm not going to drink tonight. But that's that's not realistic. You, will, you want people to know what's going on in your life. And if you've chosen sobriety, that's a pretty freaking awesome thing to tell people about. Right? And by telling them, the ones who want to be a part of it and who want to support you will. And those that don't want to be a part of it, who want to say things I've got one friend, I love him to death, but when he found out I got sober, he, he texted me and he's like, did you find Jesus? And I, my response back was, no, why would you ask? He's like, well, you got sober, so you must have found Jesus. He's got it in his head that the only way to get sober is to find Jesus because he hears people talk about AA and they reference God a lot. Now, if you've ever known anyone in AA, and surely you've, you are probably someone in AA, you know that they tell you multiple thousands of times that it can be whatever word you want it to be. Don't let the word God keep you from sobriety. That's ridiculous, right? Change the word to freaking sea otter if you must. Just don't let it be a hang-up, right? So that, that, that's a story he's telling himself. Well, I, unless I find, if I don't find Jesus, I'm not going to be able to get sober. Well, that's that's not true. So he asked me that, and I was like, okay, no, that's not what happened. But you know, once he had some chances to conversate with me, he believes whatever he believes. But I say all this because now I've lost my train of thought. Um, 
I yeah, I thought that as the sober person, I wouldn't be invited around. Maybe they thought I was going to be, you know, a Jesus freak, quote unquote, and I was going to want to spout all my Jesus stuff at them and they didn't want to hear it. I don't know. Stories I told myself in my head. Not true at all. Super supportive friends. All of them love the fact that I've chosen this because they've all watched me put myself in a situation where even they were like, I'm scared for this man's life. Jesse may not make it through this weekend. My crew met up once for uh, the first weekend of March Madness a few years back, and I and they've told me, they've literally thought I was going to give myself alcohol poisoning and die. I was so out of control, right? I'm not saying that, uh, that I'm not, I don't know necessarily how much, I wasn't counting all the drinks they drank, but I certainly believe that I drank more than all of them. Um, not combined, just there's nobody who drank more than me. And it wasn't a contest, that's just the way I drank. And now I'm able to go to these events and be present. And this is how am I connecting with them? This was number two. How am I connecting with them? By being present, by by being there and, and remembering the conversations we had and the stories that we tell. I know some of my fish fans that can go pretty messed up and remember every single song they heard, tell you when the last time they heard it was. They can remember every conversation. Some people can do that. I was not that person. I browned out very quickly into my drinking. Uh, you know, and then a, a lot of the times I blacked out. I was probably blacking out at least a third of the times I drank every single year for since I was 18 on. I blacked out thousands of times. So when you're maintaining activity with these relationships and you're asking yourself, how are you connecting with them? You know, you're sober, whether they are or aren't, you know, how are you connecting? You know, are you asking them cool stuff? Are you diving into the conversations? My One of my life coaches, Brooke Castillo, talks about how she would you know, she barely ever drinks, but she, you know, she had like a glass of wine. Maybe she wasn't drinking. She was not drinking in this story. In fact, I think she quit altogether. But once in a while, she, anyways, what well, her what she does with the drinking isn't important to this story. What's important to this story? Um, and again, if Brooke's ever listening, I'm pretty sure you're sober, but that's not the point. So what is the point is that she once told a story in her podcast that um, she was drinking uh, water around a friend who was drinking wine, and then the next the, she started to slur her speech. Her friend did, so she you know said, "Okay, this is it for the night." The next day they got together, and the woman didn't even remember telling her um, stories that she had told her the night before, and it made her realize made Brooke realize, well, does she even remember the stories I told her? How are you connecting with your friend if you're getting glassy-eyed and you're browning out and you don't remember all the cool stuff that you guys have conversated about, right? So I was lucky with Huger. He barely ever drinks. Definitely didn't drink that much on this trip. Damn near sober the whole time. Not because of me, but just because of the way his relationship with alcohol is. And so we were able to really bond and, and be able to remember all these moments together. And so when you're maintaining these activities within your relationships, why, what is important to you about that? Why are you giving them your prioritization? And, you know, if things go well, you know, what are you going to do to make another one of these adventures happen again soon? You know? I don't know when we're going to go see our next run of shows or if we're going to meet up somewhere else. He even said, hey, man, if there's something cool going on, let me know. I'll come out there. Me and the wife, we'll have a great time with you. Right? I didn't even know that was an option. But he said it was. I'm like, oh, okay, well, cool. I'll find something badass going down. Let's let's meet up. Let's go do something. I don't even know what he's talking about. I'll, I'll find something. It'll be an amazing experience. And if it goes sideways, what if things do go sideways when you're out there having one of these activities? What if your friend does get too drunk? What if, uh, what if something happens, right? Can you have that conversation with them the next day that says, hey, you know, I really wanted to enjoy this event with you and you got way too drunk and in the future, if you're going to get yourself intoxicated like this, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, but I, I just don't think that 
going to these events with you is, is what I want to do if you're going to get so inebriated that you're not going to be willing to experience it with me. It's one thing to have, you know, one or two drinks. It's another thing to have 5, 10, 15, 20 drinks and not remember shit, right? It's, it's completely different. You know, you have this life event. It's this amazing experience. This meaning that you attach to it, this internal picture, this internal movie that you that you record it as and, and have it in your head, it's going to bring it back bring out emotions. It's going to bring this emotional state in you. I'm walking away with this event with Huger, having had this amazing emotional connection, you know, spiritual, again, spiritual, not meaning religion, just, you know, lifting of the spirits, physical, because we were there, emotional, because we talked about cool stuff, mental, because we were talking about cool stuff, we experienced these things together. What an amazing opportunity to bond. That brings out actions and behaviors. In the future, he'll invite me to other things. I'll invite him to other things. We'll we'll know because of how we behaved in Charleston that we can enjoy other experiences like that. You know, that's that's what you want to know about your best friends. And the outcomes and results, is, the outcome from this is I had such an amazing experience. It's something I'll be talking about years to come. I, I walked away with an emotional, uh, physical, spiritual, mental connection with not just him, but the other people that were there as well, uh, but definitely with him. And the results, I walk away thinking, wow, that was a complete win. I can get in an airplane. I can travel across the country. I can go to shows that I used to go just mad wasted to, and I can have a great time. Is it the same kind of time? No. Hopped up on a bunch of ecstasy and LSD, I can assure you it's a completely different experience. But I've evolved now. I'm working on becoming a different version of Jesse. This version can still go and enjoy the music. And yeah, I may not want to be on the floor dancing and freaking out and waving my hands up, but I'm also in my 40s. I've done that. I've experienced that. You have to decide where have you been there, done that. Where where have you experienced enough of whatever it is so that you can walk away from alcohol and drugs and know that you can do this, know that it's the best decision. You don't even need to know if you can do it because you're only needing to do it one day at a time. And if you're listening to this show, if you're, if you're thinking about getting sober or you're already sober and you're working on your recovery, then you already know you've had enough. And going back to what I learned at the, the Fish Fellowship table, and I'll wrap up on this, is that it's all about systematic desensitization. And I know it sounds like a big heavy word, but all it basically means is things that used to trigger you to want to use, if you start to dip your toe into them slowly but surely, you'll be able to start going and really immersing yourself in that and not feeling the need to use, not being tempted, not literally be like white knuckling it. Oh my God, I might use. For me, it was just listening to my favorite bands in my room. And just being able to sit here on a Friday night when I normally would be drunk and just listen to my favorite music and just be okay. And I mean, it took so much time for me to get to this point. And now I can go to the shows and know I won't use because I've listened to the music at home. I've gone to concerts and I've walked away from it sober and was like, wow, that's amazing. That was amazing. I'm so glad I experienced that. My goodness, I have to do this again. And it is leaps and bounds better sober. Uh, in 2013, I went and saw about 100 different bands, about 80 different concerts in the course of that summer. And the first half, I went to all the shows sober because I was just in a place where I did not want to consume alcohol or smoke pot or anything. Something happened in the middle of the summer, and I started drinking again and going to these shows. First half of the summer, I can remember all these amazing concerts I went to. I can remember the songs. I can remember the emotions that it evoked. Last half, I damn near don't remember any of it. I don't even know if I could tell you 
what bands I saw. I definitely know I blacked out at like My Chemical Romance. I definitely know I I blacked out at a Nine Inch Nails show. I definitely know I did not have some great experiences at those. And whereas at the beginning of the summer, I was having a blast and I was going sober. So I knew I could go sober and have fun. And now is now that I'm completely sober for good. Now I have these experiences to draw upon, so I feel comfortable jumping in an airplane and going across the country and visiting Hoosier and enjoying all these amazing shows. So that's what I want to talk. To, that's what I want to talk about today. That's what I want you to understand about this episode is that within your relationships, you need to physically be going and doing stuff. You need to physically get active, whatever that looks like. If it's going on hikes, the zoo, the movies, an aquarium, if it's going to concerts, whatever it is, whatever your favorite things are, grab a hold of these people that are in your corner that are your support system and get them to go with you to these places that you used to always go to messed up. When I first got sober, I had been to a bowling alley, a roller skating rink, an amusement park, an aquarium, a concert. It, you know, I, I couldn't even tell you the last time I, I went to a lot of those things sober. So when I got sober, all of a sudden it was the first time I'd been to a zoo sober since I was a kid. It was the first time I'd been to an amusement park sober since I was a kid. But I didn't want to never go to a zoo again. I didn't want to stop going to concerts. I didn't want to stop going to amusement parks. So now I've just started going. I've been going. And I, and I continue to go to these places that I really enjoy, and I do it sober with people who support that, and it allows me to be desensitized to what society has taught me, that in order to enjoy things, you need to go to the zoo that sells the beer. You need to go to the concerts that sells the beer. You need to go to the events that always has beer, alcohol. The LA Zoo sells beer, for goodness sakes. Disney World is starting to sell beer. All the, most of the other amusement parks, Universal and SeaWorld and all these, they sell alcohol. It's like, man, this place is already fun enough. I don't need that to enjoy myself. You're listening to this show. You already know you don't want to do those things anymore. I'm telling you, you can have a blast if you just go to these events that you used to use at and just start going sober. Get some people that you know will support you and just start dipping your toe back in it. And before you know it, it is going to, your whole world will open to you. You will, you will enjoy the experience so much more. You will remember it so much better. You will save a hell of a ton of money because a $15 beer at a concert sucks. Okay, you were going to enjoy it so much. I was talking to my mechanic today. I'll leave on this. He said that he went to, he likes to drink Don Julio tequila. And so it would cost him a ton at the bar. So he took he So the other day he filled that up in his flask and he was drinking beers at the bar, but going in the bathroom and taking shots out of his flask. And he said he gave himself the spins, got sick. He's like, he tried to save some money. And in the process, he overdrank. And it's like, why did why do you need to do that at all? And he even knows, and he doesn't. He didn't need to do that. He's even talked to me about how he wants to get sober down the line. That's great, and I'll support that in any way I can. I say all this because even the saving of the money can't be the motivation because you can find ways around saving money. I used to sneak booze into my sports bars and go to the bathroom and drink little tiny bottles of vodka and go out and just drink you know pitcher beer. But I ended up completely wasted, and next thing you know, I'm spending $30 on Popeye's chicken, and I buy a family pack of like 30 pieces of chicken, so I've got chicken for the next three days because I know I'm going to go home, go to the liquor store, buy a bunch more booze, and just go on a bender. So what in the hell? So money can't be your motivation. You have you know your motivation. You know you want to be sober. You know you are you, you want to get into addiction recovery. You you probably already are into these things. I don't know where you're at, but you know this is your life now and you love it and embrace it and be a part of it. Go through the steps. Do what it takes. 
get stable in your sobriety so that you can start going back to these events that you've been predisposed to be intoxicated at and start doing them sober. Because I swear on everything holy and sacred, if I was not able to go to fish shows anymore because of this sobriety thing, I would be so, so, so disappointed in not myself, just just in life. Like, I love going to live music. If I wasn't able to go to these things and be sober, I would just be missing out. And I'm not going to use... So I've got it. I had to figure out a way. I got to figure out a way. So I figured out a way. You figure out a way. Because I'm telling you, it will open your eyes. It'll open up your world. And being able to go physically do things with the people that you love and care about the most is the way to build memories. It is the way to build experiences. It's the way to make the journey of this, of this sobriety and recovery life that we're involved in. It's a way to make that journey so much better, so much more exciting. Just sitting on your couch and hiding from the world outside is no way to go through life. And I hope that I help you when we have these conversations on this show. I hope you have people in your life and you've got systems in place and you've got sponsors and therapists and everybody you need like I do that can help you grow and evolve into this best version of yourselves because I promise you, there is a world of awesomeness out there. And I hope that you're involved in it. And I hope that you are figuring out ways to go do these things like I just did. Because I tell you what, this three-day run of fish in Charleston is going to be a memory that Huger and I are going to share forever. All my crew that was at Dead & Co. in 17, the wedding I went to in 2018, all the people I saw there, it was an amazing experience. And, and I would have hated to not be able to partake in these experiences because of a fear I had of using or a fear I had of disappointing others because I wasn't using or whatever, whatever the story was I was telling myself in my head. Stop telling yourself stories. Start living your life. Be vulnerable. Talk to these people that you want in your life. Who do you have in your corner? Who do you want in your corner? How are you connecting with them? What ways are you bonding? Figure this out. Do this. Be a part of your life. Be a player in your life. Oh, I just, 45 minutes. I didn't expect to go this long. I just, the emotions I, I, I feel when I, when I think about the experience I just had of going across the country and being sober and sharing it with Fusure and his brother and, and, and all the other people that were in the crew. Sure. I didn't get to go up to the suite where there was a lot more partying going on, but I didn't want to be around that, but I wanted to be around them. So once they left that room and we came and they came back to our room or that we went to the venue, all of a sudden it was, it was them. I wanted to be around. They do whatever they want. I honestly, no judgments here. My God, enjoy your life. But you know, I didn't need to be in that room. I just waited till they were done in that room. And then they were around me and it was a blast. And you can do that. Figure out what your boundaries are. Set them. Don't break them. Let other people know so they can support you in those boundaries. So they don't just think that you're being, you know, a dick because you keep saying no. Be like, you know, I just, I don't want to be around all that. I want to be around you guys. I don't need to be around all that. So once you guys go do all that and then come back around, we'll hang out. Right? And then it, it, I'm telling you, it was such a, such an amazing experience. Thank you, Huger. Thank you, everyone who was a part of that. Whether you listen to this show or not, it really was the time of my life and I'll never forget it. And so I want you guys to have that too. Here comes the holidays, right? Go be an active participant in your life. Don't put yourself in a precarious situation where you might use, but figure out ways to be involved in what's going on in a way that doesn't break your boundaries and allows you to to be there without risking your sobriety and recovery because that's the last thing we want to do. 
right? If, if you're new to this, if you're still growing into this, dip your toe in, you know what your limits are. If you don't know what your limits are, get some people around you, write down what you what, write down what you think your limits are, and then don't pass that. And if you need to set new limits while you're in the midst of, of the shenanigans, then by all means, set new limits because your sobriety usurps all the other bull, all of the other stuff, right? But also don't hide in your house, figure it out. I'm telling you, it will change your life. All right, guys, happy holidays. We'll be talking again next week. I'm going to have a special guest on, probably going to turn her into a regular. This has been about relationships and physical. Go out, do things, bond, love, create memories. Then you can talk about them later and plan new ones. It's going to be amazing. Have a great holiday. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Be kind to another one. Be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. Be well. Mm